0: Everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Grassroots Roundtable Podcast, a podcast that is simply a discussion between a couple of local church leaders. Today we're going to be talking about denominations, the mainstream, oh, Protestant uh, denominations here in the United States as well as globally. Give us a minute to get into that. In the meantime, so I'm the A game, Adam Bailey, now to Grassroots Church here in the Greenbrier Valley of West Virginia, joined by a Diet Pepsi top popping. Darren Cherry, lead pastor guy.
1: Hey. Uh, I, okay, I'll just start off real quick. Uh, last week was my fault. We didn't get to record. I was out of town Thursday and Friday, and we just couldn't get together. So I'm sorry. That's on me. Friends, uh, send him your hate messages.
0: Let him know. Let him know. He, he kept apologizing to me. He kept saying, like, oh, our, our listener is going to be so upset. I'm like, right? Why?
1: Hey, listen. No, last you- week. Last week. People were wandering around Greenbrier County. I've never seen so many zombies. They didn't know what to do. the Street. They they didn't know where to
0: go. Uh, people were graffitiing the place. The amount of vandalism.
1: Yeah, unreal. Car theft. Oh, it got that, wild. Did you see that fire? It's, yeah. If there had been a grassroots roundtable podcast, Greenbrier County would have been spared this. It's
0: it's crazy, and uh, we're under a burn warning now. We are in a red flag burn warning. You can't even. Okay, that part is true. <laughs> you cannot burn right now cuz it's too windy and too dry. Maybe we embellished the other part. Maybe that's how you felt on the inside, Darren. Maybe that's how we felt on the inside whenever we can't make our weekly commitment to the podcast. Maybe we are the dumpster fire on the inside. Uh
1: maybe maybe we feel lost without it. <laughs> and so we're just just transposing that onto somebody else.
0: Well, I'm excited to get into today's topic. If y'all remember, uh, a few weeks ago, we released an episode about world religion comparison, Christianity, and how it compares to other world religions and how those religions stack up in Scripture. Very general, very quick. It was only Yeah, an hour. that was
1: very much an overview.
0: Very, very much so. Overly simplified, and that's probably my biggest criticism towards that, but I think it's a good launching point for someone who's never taken time to dive into comparative world religion or something like that. It's a good starting point to get the ball rolling so you know where to go to start doing your own research. We're going to try to narrow the scope a little bit today. So the overall goal was to answer some feedback that we got from requested topics to start really big with world religion, historically speaking, and then narrow the conversation down to Protestantism, which is where we're going to be picking up today, and then from there, narrow it even further down to why we are Baptists, a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, to provide clarity to our listeners, those in our church, grassroots church who are listening, uh, who might wonder that sort of thing. And I also feel like we can share our own personal experience in denominationalism. And I'm going to drink my cherry Pepsi. The Cheers. Tell my accidental purchase, which is really, really
1: good. Uh Diet Wild Cherry Pepsi is like my favorite. Like it's hard to find Diet Wild Cherry Pepsi. It's like I've had the
0: most Southern West Virginia cuisine today and biscuit and gravy from Tudors. Come on. Now I'm drinking a cherry Pepsi at 9 30 in the morning. Nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing, nothing wrong about that at all. Hey, I noticed something, a difference between us. And I would like to know if you've noticed this as well.
1: Between you and I?
0: Yeah, big difference. Okay, hit me with it. We're walking out of Tudors. I get in my car. You get in your car. I put my seatbelt on. I look up, and you're gone. Like, you don't waste time, I feel like. When when you get to the car, you turn it on. You're, like, buckling your seatbelt while you're hitting the brake, putting it into reverse. You know, you just like bam, bam 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 quick on next. Boom boom boom. I'm cause me, I do something different. I sit down, I get my I like my air a certain way. I want to pick the right music. Depends on my mood, or maybe an audio book. I take my time, get my mirrors right. I chill, take it easy nice and easy, but you're gone. Have yeah, you noticed
1: so, that? so there's something that I noticed about myself in like <clears throat> high school. And it's gone all the way up until now. I'm almost forty two years old. And it's i am a system guy by that i mean when i get up in the morning i do things the same way every time when i when i get ready to leave the house i do the same thing when i get in the car it's like the same volume of your morning bathroom experience well it's like
0: i'm exactly down to the ounce
1: yeah like i am i think this will personify pretty well um when I was a cashier in college at a Sam's Club, I they they had this contest each week of who was the fastest cashier. And because I'm such a systems guy, like I would line things up in a way where I could check people in and out really quick, even so much so that I see them as I'm scanning you know, items. I see them getting a check ready. I'm already thinking in my mind the two steps I'll have to take with their check to get them out the quickest. And so it's 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 lined up. And I would win every single week, like Employee of the Month, Darren every, Cherry. I actually never got Employee of the Month, but um, every single week. Maybe you need to check your system. <laughs> Maybe there would be let's and i'm gonna i'm gonna use random numbers because this is 20 years ago i don't remember but um the the second place cashier would check like scan like 50 items a minute and then i was first place and i'm scanning like 200 items a minute it, it but it's because i was so system and so i think when i get in my car the second I sit down, my phone goes in the same place. I'm buckling up, starting the car, and I'm go- like, it's, "It's you're you're reversing while you're buckling up,
0: and bam, bam, texting
1: as I'm driving. You do, yeah. I do. I'm really bad about that. I'm really bad about that. No, you're
0: fine. Never had never had a boo boo. Yeah, your fault.
1: To God's glory,
0: because I'm more of uh, again, I just go to the car. Let me turn the heat down. I don't want to listen to that audio book. Let me listen to my Merca playlist. I go to the playlist, get that synced up. All right, now I'm ready to roll. I just take my time, which is, yeah, I I don't know. I don't think there's a better way about it. Friends, let us know your approach to getting in the car and going somewhere. Are you Darren? Are you a systems type of get in the car and go type person? Or are you more
1: like me? (laughs) I Ain't no rush. Which I do want to clarify. Something has changed in me, especially as I've gotten older. I'm the guy that, like, Okay. the exit's three miles up, and in a 70, somebody's going 65. I'll just chill behind them until the exit. It's just another three miles. If I speed around them and get up there, I might save 30 seconds. And you might miss the exit because
0: there's a semi-truck blocking everything. Yeah,
1: so I'm like, I'll just chill here. And what I find, it's, I don't get as amped, so I end up just relaxing. I'm like, I'm just going to chill here. I don't care. And I will say this, I learned something really awesome this past year on the way to vacation. Um, We are two hours from the beach, and my brakes lock up on my van. And I'm like, we're two hours from the beach, which means we're like four hours from here. What am I going to do? Well, thankfully, they... They let loose. So for the rest of the trip, and this is a little tip for me to everybody out there, the speed limit's 70. For the rest of the trip, I went like 68, which meant two things. One, I never caught up to anybody, and everybody else just passed me. Dude, that was the most relaxing, smooth, two hours because i didn't want to hit my brakes so i didn't want to catch up to anybody cool. i didn't want to be passing so anybody here, here's what i'm hearing if anyone
0: is listening and driving right now relax calm down be confident be smart be capable calm down you're not in a hurry you don't need to rush bring it in look at the trees
1: turn me up because i'm mumbling you're welcome i think so Hey, can I, oh, man, let's just keep going here. Okay, uh, Christmas is coming. And you know, I've heard Thanksgiving and Christmas gets, <laughs> nobody wants it to get psychotic, but it does. Decorations, presents, wrapping, different uh, places to be, school performances, small group parties, uh, performances at school, uh, office party, all this stuff going on. To what I found last year that helped me, I'm not kidding, man. I went to Walmart and I went to the Christmas section and I walked the aisle with the Christmas ornaments. And I literally just stopped and looked at the different ornaments. And like I'd picture it on a Christmas tree, I'd look at another one and go, oh, that would look, dude, relaxing. I'm no guru, but that might be a form of meditation. It helped
0: me a lot. Instead of Rosary, Darren over <laughs> Darren is over here looking at a Sesame Street ornament.
1: <laughs> the only thing I hate about our Walmart with <laughs> ornaments is they always <laughs> have a big section of Pittsburgh Steelers crap. Ugh. Yeah. So that's Steal. right. They're last at our division. Boom.
0: Ah, we're not talking about sports. I'm over it. <laughs> that's nah. just because your team sucks. Nah. I'm hanging in there. Your team sucks. So much fun. All of them, (laughs) all these all these teams I support are so much fun. I'm, you know, you lose vested emotional interest. So now I'm just like looking at I am watching other teams following other stuff. It's fine. Again,
1: this is why it's awesome to be a Cleveland fan Fine. because you never expect to be good. So you just love your
0: team no matter what. So the Packers beat the Cowboys. This Sunday, it doesn't really matter much to me because it's like, oh, I still think the Packers are kind of rough. If they do. And I think that they will win because Mike McCarthy is going back to Green Bay. And oh. if, give Aaron some fuel hey. for that fire, please. Hey, Larry,
1: better. will you uh, give us your prediction, please? Will you please text us what will be the final score between the Packers and the Cowboys this Sunday? I just, I just want to dub you. But even if they win, I don't <laughs> give me your score. mean anything. Give me your score. Larry, uh, uh, close, close your ears. Close your ears, Larry. Don't listen to his prediction. My
0: score, I'm going 27-21 Green Bay. Okay, we're gonna stop it there because
1: I want to. I want to hear from you.
0: Twenty-seven, Mr. Mr. Larry. Twenty-one, Green Bay at home. Aaron Rodgers actually plays better because he wants to show that him getting Mike McCarthy fired, probably what happened, was the right choice. That's all I have to go on, Darren. That's. Right. that's I have no numbers. You wanna know why? Because. They they're terrible. It's an emotional something. And if they lose, well, whatever. That's the beauty of being a Cleveland fan. Ah. This is what it's like. This is what it's like down here. <laughs> Welcome. Those uh those division games are something going to be a lot more fun. Packers and Bears means more. Ugh, whatever.
1: All right. Yep. We got Okay. I want to hear I want to hear Larry's and then I'll I will I will look forward cuz you know me, I'm not a football guy. I, I don't I literally got Saturday. I forget what I was doing Saturday, but I got almost to like four o'clock. It was like, oh, there's there's college football on like I just forgot. And then and then Sunday with the gathering, then the GSM event and going to the escape room. I'm on my way to grassroots Monroe. And I'm like, oh, that's right. The NFL is on that. Like, I don't care about football, but I think with this prediction, if I can get Larry's prediction for Dallas, then I will look forward to the Dallas Green Bay game. Yeah, I'm
0: going uh, Ecclesiastes with sports <laughs> right now, to where it's like, <laughs> all this vanity. vanity. It's all vanity. <laughs> it's all empty win. You live, you die. Nothing's new. It's just a repetition of blah. <laughs>
1: That's just life in Cleveland.
0: Cleveland, that's what they showed the Cleveland Ecclesiastes. Hey, man, I still love it. I still love it. But you know what? Speaking of Ecclesiastes, we don't have to accept almost everything is vanity whenever we know where we're coming from theologically and in context. I think, um, from what I can tell, both personally and just reading through different articles and different sources, uh, it's sad that a lot of folks, especially in the United States, we have access to so much information. They lay claim to a belief or a philosophy and just hold on to it by name only instead of like actually believing it and diving deeper into it and being able to explain it. So hopefully uh, this episode and the previous episodes will provide some substance to Grassroots Church and anybody that's listening of why we believe what we believe, what is our historical theological lineage to provide historical
1: theological context just to have better understanding. Yeah, I don't think it's just a church thing. Um, w- you and I were talking about it earlier, uh, my small group was talking about it last night, that we are connected to 2,000 years of church history, and a lot of Christians don't understand that, um, connecting to that. like They just want to look at the Bible go, I just want to love Jesus, which is a good thing, but we have scripture, which does contain, you know, from the ascension of Jesus through to John finishing off Revelation, a lot of years there of church history, and then a lot of years since with good church history. Because listening to one church history thing that said uh, a lot of people want to act like you had Acts, and then after Acts, the church just disappeared until the Reformation, And it's like, that's not true. We have a solid timeline of church history from now back into, you know, the ascension of Jesus, the day of Pentecost, you know, the launch of the church. I think a lot of people in general just don't care about history. It's not just church history. It's history in general. Which is
0: unfortunate. We were talking this morning at breakfast about flat earth theory And it's a part of this larger philosophical shift because you have some individuals who would adopt that line of thinking, which I'm not one of them, but this idea of like, okay, just rationally speaking, uh, you can't see a decline in the earth, and you'll be like, but, you know, Hundreds of years of scientific research, like men and women that have dedicated their lives to these questions have answered it, and here's the, here are the theories. And science got so complicated that it's incredibly abstract. It feels distant from the common man. Like, even, like it, astro-theoretic physics, like quantum physics is crazy. So you have some that would say, okay, what does that even matter? Because it's intangible. So you prove to me right now why you think the earth is round. It's like, well, all this research. I don't don't care about the research. That's someone telling you what to believe. You prove it to me. And it's like, okay, we're at an impasse here. Because on one hand, someone's going to say, we've got hundreds, if not thousands of years of men and women dedicating a lot of time, thought, and resources into answering that one particular question. We can either stand on the shoulder of giants and add to the conversations, or we can try to flip it upside down and go from the bottom up. So we claim titles outside of the historical context It makes the definition relative to the individual, which mm-mm, I'm just, I, just can't, I just can't get behind it. So, yeah, the same thing with science, I think we do theologically as well, where it's like someone will say, I'm a Baptist. And it's like, okay, historically, yeah. in context, what does that mean? It's like, I don't care. I just believe this,
1: and I'm a Baptist. And it's like, ah. Uh, or uh, Or I think the flip uh, side of that same uh, coin is somebody's like, I'm I'm a Baptist. And they hold to that so strongly that if somebody's not a Baptist, they're not a Christian. And and in in decades past, it's not so it's not a problem now. But in, in many years past here in America, if you were Baptist and switched to Presbyterian, dude, you lost friends, you lost family. You could lose your job. It, people held to denominations so strong They would wage war against each other? Yeah. Like they, it, you, if you weren't our denomination, you weren't Christian. And I'm thankful that in, in today's day... Church of Christ says that. In, did I tell you about the Church of Christ lady I met in Monroe? Recently? Yeah.
0: Did couple she weeks, say that? A
1: couple weeks ago, she said, I'm Church of Christ. She goes, which is the only church? Yeah, And you. I'm like sitting there inviting her to Grassroots, and I was like, well, oops, thanks for talking. You know, God bless you. Yeah, but, but I, we have such good friends in the area that are not Baptist, but we recognize them as brothers and sisters in Christ, and they do the same to us even though we're not their denomination. And so there's flip sides of that. But, but understanding, you know, if we claim that, okay, we are Baptists, what does that mean? That's, that's hundreds of years of history. Mm-hmm. What does it mean? And where did. You just can't make up a definition. You know what the question is? Where did all these denominations come from? And we go back to the
0: beginning. I, I think we kind of touched on Adam it and Eve. A few weeks ago. Well, I mean, just humanity in general. Uh, I think if you go back to like between 10 and 20,000 years ago, biblical, biblical history, secular history, Sumerians, ancient civilizations, Abraham. But anyway, go back to like that. 10,000 year span where mainstream religion, very polytheistic, somehow, some way, that was just the default popular strand of thinking. Zoroastrianism, Sumerianism, like all, all that. And then here comes a man named, you know, Abraham eventually that's like, no, there's one God. And through that Abraham line of faith, monotheism kind of emerged out of this polytheistic Which realm. Which, re- refer back to our world religions yeah, go back podcast. to that other one uh so you have the jews under father abraham a monotheistic do you had many religious. sons uh yeah i've heard that and many sons had <laughs> father Abraham? hey why did you get all I'm 20 of all of a sudden with that one. vacation bible school <laughs> and so were you let's just praise the lord Uh, So you have monotheism, uh, and then Christianity branches off of Judaism because Christianity, biblical Christianity, says that uh, Scripture prophecy was fulfilled in the person and deity, life, death, ascension of Jesus Christ. He fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecy and established a new covenant, covenant of grace, with his people, the church. Uh, And then you have Judaism. Is a monotheistic religion, Christianity, a Trinitarian monotheistic religion. And then Islam came along about in the uh what I think about the eighth century. Uh still monotheistic, but different in its own right. A little bit more trying to like be pure, holy, uh very um war ish, warring, <laughs> very warring. Traditionally speaking. Religion, and I think that is an overgeneralization now. But anyway, we we all you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. So that those are the dynamics uh, going into the fall of Rome. So the Roman Empire, Constantine. It's not so much that he adopted and endorsed Christianity when he was emperor of Rome. He promoted tolerance to Christianity because some of his family members were Christians. So it was more of a power move. But there was something that happened, though, and that's really where the blend of, like, church and state started taking place. So the the church, according to the Old and New Testament, I mean, the teaching of Jesus Christ, he did not come to establish an earthly kingdom necessarily. It's his heavenly kingdom established on earth through his people, through the church. Uh, But this idea of a physical kingdom... Really came to fruition with Constantine allowing tolerance for the Christian faith in the uh, fourth, fourth, fourth century. I think one of the earlier centuries. Uh, but anyway, that's and then you have the Roman Catholic Church basically operating as its own government. And there we are. There we are. So Roman, Roman Catholics, the major Christian denomination through the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh centuries. Islam did rise up, but you mentioned before we started recording, there is one aspect of uh, Catholic history that we need to take into account when we start going through modern denominations. Uh, it's called the Great Schism. Yep. And do you want to provide clarity on that, Darren?
1: Um, it really came from uh, what, the way, where we end up with the Eastern and Western Church. Um, you might hear now uh, what you hear, they might just be called the Orthodox Church, Eastern Orthodox Church, Mm -hmm. you don't really hear the Western Orthodox. You don't hear that terminology because you end up more with it's more like West. uh, Yeah, the the Church out West, or you know, even the Roman Catholic uh, Church, but the Eastern Orthodox Church. um, Just looking at one resource that we're going to put the link to this article in the show notes because this is this article is so good it's very simple it's a quick read but but very good overview but it talks about how um it it was in uh, 1054 uh we say ad but it's like a d e now uh it's because b- bc before now common BC. era and bc common is era before c-, common e- ar- c e common era common era is it not a d e no i think i
0: i think it Depends on who you're talking to. I see. We okay. get what you mean. We get you. I'm, I'm picking up what in you the put year
1: down. of my Mar- in the year of our Lord, uh, but in 1054. Here ye,
0: here ye. Can you please read this
1: with a British accent? <laughs> Not a chance. Uh, they did split Eastern and Western churches divided over uh, a phrase in the Nicene Creed that had to do with basically the hierarchy of the Trinity, where there's this idea. It says here Western churches said the Holy Spirit proceeds. From the Father and the Son. Um, and it said, but there were many cultural, political, and ecclesiastical reasons for the split. Ecumenical overtures between the Eastern Orthodox and the Roman Catholic Church have seen a measure of success in recent times, but it's those, the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Roman Catholic Church split over a particular uh, doctrinal difference within the Trinity. And that's important because the Eastern Orthodox Church today. One of my best
0: friends of all time, P.J., love you. Uh, he's a part of the Eastern Orthodox Church. They're they're much more into mysticism, um, the ritualistic side of Christianity um, re- is mysticism a lot a lot of mystic thought. Well, whereas the West is a little bit even before the Enlightenment, the Reformation, uh, the Renaissance, is more like rationality science you know this that that um
1: almost democ- democratic idea this this says uh in the ether, eastern orthodox ether in the ether um in the eastern orthodox Lord. church thanos is coming for it it's okay ah uh it says that Sorry. they <laughs> that was a little bit loud they place a high priority on particulars of liturgical worship sanctuaries include various icons for veneration the orthodox believe there's a place for praying to saints and to Mary. A worship service engages all the senses with incense, chanting, scripture reading, and homily, Mystic. culminating with the celebration of mm-hmm. the
0: Eucharist. And it's really interesting. And I I learned so much from Petrie as well, because he was one of the first, I mean, he said some things back then, and again, I'm not Eastern Orthodox, but loving loved to death, and he would uh, tell me things like 10 years ago, and I was like, I don't know about that. And then Nowadays, something will happen. I'll be reading through something, and I think, huh. Okay, I see what you're talking about. But, yeah, there was a divide between Eastern and Western Catholic, what do you call it, theology? Uh, is was, was a debate, a discussion yeah. about the nature of the triune God.
1: Okay, And this is, I mean, a thousand years after Jesus. So you have a thousand years of not perfect church life, but you do have relative church unity in that first thousand years. And, and a part of that unity, again, nations, countries
0: were intertwined with religion. That's just the way that it worked out. Like You have a nation-state, there is a state-religion, so subjects who go outside of the religion, it's you're usurping the state. Like Americans, we take that for granted, that we don't have a state religion. You can worship freely for now uh there's no state-sponsored religion but in other countries to date like you're tolerated but you're not on the same level as those that are part of that state religion i thought in canada you can technically get arrested for speaking out against the government say i hate our government they're terrible you could go- man we're we're be- very blessed so it's kind of blessings there uh but catholic church running the show basically for a long time a bit of a split the great schism and what'd you say,
1: 1084? 1054. 1054. And then CE. And then you've got from there the Eastern and Western churches that continue to develop their particular directions. And then, of course, comes the 1700s. And there was a lot of unrest because of some of the
0: practices, especially with the Western Roman Catholic Church. Again, the Vatican was its own little country, still is. True. But I mean they had their own military. They have all the archives. I mean dude, how much they have their own country. Let's just call this out right They quick. were a superpower. A church was a superpower
1: globally during those years. Isn't that nuts? But let's call this out. If they really do you know how much money is at the Vatican? Oh, I know they fund a lot of stuff with that money too. But if they were to sell off all the stuff they just have in the basement. It, it could feed millions. It's crazy.
0: So there's this movement that starts happening in the 14th, 15th century, I guess 13th, 14th, 15th century in Europe. Obviously, the Black Death is crazy, killing people everywhere. A third of Europeans die. Their living situation is terrible. They call the Dark Ages for a reason. Demo- the idea of democracy, literacy, science, rationality, like maybe we can... I mean, th- this that movement starts happening around those particular centuries. And then as a part of that, a lot of Europeans start looking at the Catholic Church and being like, well, hold on a second here. you got a lot of control. Maybe we can get back to what some would refer to as pure or true religion, where it's not political, it's not social, it's just true worship and religion from an individual to a deity. So the Reformation the, and the Renaissance, the Enlightenment, all this is happening together. And you have new inventions like the printing press and this movement of like we can print, what well, would eventually become the Bible, we can print material and teach the common man to read. Why go through the Catholic Church? Like we can get to the people directly. The Catholic Church obviously doesn't like that because that's removing a lot of power from them. Because up until that time it was like if you want scripture, if you want truth, one, it's in a language you can't understand, two, you got to come and ask us. you want to you get to God, God got to go through us. And then this movement of like, wait, individualism, democracy, like why can't we just learn to read and read? Those manuscripts ourselves. So this movement is happening around thirteen, fourteen,
1: and fifteen hundreds, and that's where Luther starts. Well, and remember, the William Tyndale was burned at the stake for printing Bibles in the common man's language. He know, was burned at the stake by the Catholic. When Church. When did that printing press come out? Gutenberg printing press, like fourteen something. I don't have the date off. The, it, it was around
0: that same time. But all those things it's so amazing how they're all interconnected. So the dynamics. I remember taking a world history class. I forgot what. Um, Her name was Dr. Miller. Uh, I forgot the exact terminology that she used, but during that time, to even begin to understand the modern world, not postmodern, modern world, uh, it's RIM, REF, and then something like the Renaissance, the Reformation, and the inclusion of the North American continent in the global trade
1: industry. All those things are happening at once. But that's what, up until all this, you've got, Basically, just two branches of the church, Western and Eastern, and then the Reformation hits. All right. Would you like to expound upon that, Mister Reform Man? You're well, expert, <laughs> you not near an expert. <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, yeah, the Reformation, seventeen hundreds. Um, in fact, seventeen uh, well, hundreds, seventeen, seventeen, seventeen.
0: Well, for the Reformation, yeah. So I thought we start the Reformation with Luther. He was about the 15. What am I thinking? No,
1: 1517. Sorry. There we go. 1517, because 2017 was the 500th anniversary. Because I went okay. to the the Gospel <laughs> Coalition conference. <laughs>
0: I was like 17. Wait, now, what?
1: America was around, dude. Forget um, Google. I'm done. No, I'm done with googling anything. I was thinking 17, because it was. I trust you more than Google. It was 1517, and that's why I was thinking 17. 1517. Yeah, because
0: Martin Luther was like uh, late 1400s German. Is a German. Uh, i sorry. <laughs> Is
1: all right, Arnold? Uh, um,
0: <laughs> but he's basically a thaw, a, along those same, li- same lines we just mentioned. Of Like, wait a second here. Like, w- why can't we teach individuals to read
1: true religion? Why go through an institution for someone to be with God? Well, and he recognized, Martin Luther was a Catholic priest who recognized as he studied Scripture the inconsistencies between the Catholic Church and what Scripture said. And so that's when on... Halloween night, um, October 31st, 1517, he went, obviously not Halloween night to them, but uh, he went up to the door of the uh, Catholic Church, the chapel there in Wittenberg, Germany, and nailed his 95 thesis, which were 95 things that he saw as inconsistency. He wasn't trying to start a new revolution. He wasn't trying to start a new church. He was, and
0: that's why I like the. What is the name of
1: the? What does reform mean? It's like change here, change Change from within.
0: And uh, to go back to Doctor Miller, it was, Ren, Ref, Rev. So the Renaissance, the Reformation, and the Glorious Revolution. I
1: forgot uh, came out in seventeenth century. Yeah, so good to remember, you history students (laughs) out there. But Ren Ref Rev, the Reformation. You know, it wasn't that he was trying to start something new he wanted to see the Catholic Church reformed and return to the biblical true precedence. yes and so um, that kicks off and I'll be honest if you go read the 95 thesis you know we hold Martin Luther very high as a hero of the church um, and the Christian faith and and so we should God used him in a pretty mighty way in that but if you read those 95 things there's a lot of them we would not agree with. As Protestants, we'd look at that and go, "That dude was definitely Catholic." But but looking at that, that's what God used to kick off the Reformation. Where from there, you had uh, people like John Calvin. Yeah, I was going to say the 1500s.
0: And- so, because a lot of Americans, we think about. Okay, the pilgrims, the Puritans, the Mayflower, trying to get away from Europe for religion. They just wanted religious freedom. They came to North America in the early 1600s, which, you know, a lot of them did. A lot of them came over here to make some money. But, um, you know, a lot of them did come over here to be able to, the Puritans in particular, to practice their faith freely without having a state-sponsored church. They didn't like that. Um, But anyway, you have to look at the 1500s. Like, all these discussions are taking place after Martin Luther got the ball rolling on the Reformation Uh, throughout the 1500s, more of his contemporaries like John Calvin. I don't know if he's a Luther contemporary, but he followed him. He came after. And they start adding even more to this idea of, well, let's go back to Scripture, what it says. Let's pay attention to the the, um, translation. Let's pay attention to You know, the context, let's get the manuscripts, true, pure religion. And that that was the movement taking place in the 1500s. And that kind of sets up the 1600s and the various denominations that started coming out of that time period. So I I looked it up. Uh, You said that these are more lines of theology than they are denominations, but it's a good starting point because I guess denominations do reflect a bigger theology or philosophy, line of thinking, what have you. So you have four mainline Protestant theologies, which include Lutheranism, Anglicanism, Calvinism, Methodism. Again, those are not specific dominations per se, as you pointed out. Three of them are. Yeah, because Calvinism is a little bit of an outlier. So you you got those four, Lutheranism, Anglicanism, Calvinism, and uh, Methodism. And those denominations started taking speed in between the 1600s through about the mid to later 1800s, roughly. Because the Second Great Awakening in the 1830s, it was predicated a lot on Wesley and the Methodists got out there. They they spread those seeds a lot. But anyway, Darren, the, the, those are the, the four mainline theologies. So is it fair to say that modern day denominations are going to go back to one of those four theologies or early denominations?
1: Well, and this is why I said I was confused by that anyway, because Lutheran is a denomination, uh, Methodist is a denomination, Anglican is a denomination, Calvinism's a, a theological stream. And so it's like I, I, I'm still struggling to see, like I know the difference in those theologies, but it's like. Yeah, because Calvinism, you have the Huguenots.
0: Remember John Calvin, the Huguenots that get kicked out of France, suffered persecution. It's like that was their thing. It's not that they were a denomination, but they were kind of a denomination based on one specific theology, mostly doctrine of election. Remember, that like the Huguenots, they were persecuted in France. So they went to places like Switzerland which ended up having an impact on um, all those Western European countries, which is why the Anabaptists kind of spring up from that, which, you know, early, 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 early Baptists. But anyway, all that's happening in 1500s. Switzerland and
1: France. Yeah, and I think what our listeners and, and friends would want to really hear about right now is, like, they drive down the road and they see, they obviously see the Catholic you know, church, which doesn't actually have much of a presence in our community here, um, but in a lot of communities, there's big Catholic churches, and it's it's very powerful. They know where that's at, but then they see the Presbyterian church, and they see a Methodist church, and they see a church Lutheran church, and Church of Christ, church of and God. Church of God, and... Of course, you got the non-denominational. Free will Baptist. And you got the Baptist. Independent Baptist. Baptist yeah. Particular what, Baptist. All of these, you know, you can get online and see a timeline where basically as, uh, as the Reformation grew, there would be certain leaders that would push uh, certain doctrines and it would just create kind of like the Western and Eastern church split. That would happen in the line of these other denominations, where um, if you see a Methodist church, what they're known for is uh, the methodology. That's why Methodist. They there's a way to work to salvation. Um, when you see the the Presbyterians, you know they hold to that Westminster Confession of Faith. Uh, that is that is more reformed, okay, more Calvinistic. But they believe, as do the Anglicans, the Lutherans, the Methodists, they all do the uh, pedo baptism, baptizing babies. And the, the Baptists, um, a lot of non denominational hold to Credo Baptist, which is, you know, baptism after salvation. Um, so, really, just looking at from those early years of the Reformation and then from there, uh, seeing it just branch, you know, kind of the family tree of the church. <laughs>
0: and that's why it's so important, if you have not, friends, to read some of the older confessions. Yeah. Because a lot a lot of them are simply saying, hey, with all these new uh, denominations and theolo- theological perspectives that are coming out, here's what we believe. You mentioned the Westminster Confession. Uh, We're going through a series on the 1689, Second Second London London, Baptist Confession.
1: Which, if anybody were to ask, what's the difference between the Westminster and the 1689? Baptist. Pretty much baptism. (laughs) That's really it. Yeah, the baptism. is it. And and so, if you look through, it's just over the years when there would be um, a particular... uh, Oh, wow, the word is escaping me. Uh, When leaders from the church would get together, uh, councils. Uh, councils would come together and um, different, uh, you know, kind of theological sessions would happen. And they would just come to a point of like, no, no, we 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 see baptism as, you know, connected with circumcision in the Old Testament. No, no, in the New Testament, it's by immersion only. And there would just be a kind of a point of impasse there. And that's why at those times it really caused some bad division where, like, you didn't move from Presbyterian to Baptist. You didn't move from Baptist to Methodist. Today it's not as much, but I think a lot of us do because people don't know the history. And that's what I was going to recommend to our friends. So, yeah, go, if
0: you want to know more about what the Methodists tend to adhere to, you can absolutely Google it. Or how about this? When you go to work, ask one of your friends who might be a part of a Methodist. See what they say see where they lead you. And I think that's a good thing as well. I figured that out quickly at Marshall. So we'll get into, our, I guess, our own personal like, why are we Baptist? And why is Grassroots a part of the Southern Baptist Convention in particular? But for me, I grew up... I am I think I'm a, in the mind... I don't know if I am or not. I mean, I grew up in an independent Baptist church. And I'm still a Baptist. I still hold to it. Now, I'm not fundamental. I grew up that way. Uh, in the reform line of theology now, that was not a conscious decision. It was just, like, reasoning, and it was like, oh, well, here I am now. Like, I, I don't know. I, I didn't look at a buffet and been like, I want that one and that one and put it together. I've just always kind of been here. It, um, it made sense to me. It makes so much sense to me uh, what, what Bab to stand for, but I think a lot of where I am now goes back to Marshall being a part of Crew. It was interdenominational. I had friends that were meth- good friends that were Methodist. I had good friends that were Presbyterian, uh, Reform guys. I mean, just across the board, and I learned so many more perspectives to where I think that helped me, like, subconsciously, by faith, just kind of, like, plinko my way down to where I am now. But knowing people individually, being able to have enough confidence in Scripture and Spirit to go to someone and ask, it's like, well, what do you believe? I'm not here to argue. I'm not here to fight. I'm not here to convert. Like, you claim to go to this church and I'm part of this denomination. It's like, well, explain yourself. Like, help me to understand where you're coming from. And that is a gift, and we live in a society where y- you can actually do that more so than other societies because we have more pluralism here. But that's, that's really my, my story. Like, it, I grew up independent Baptist. It just made sense to me. Uh, the only difference now, again, it's not the, the fundamental aspect of ultra-literal interpretation of Scripture and the practice thereof, but it's, I think, more now the historical confessional side of it. Because I like being a part of the historical community. It, it helps me. So whenever new events take place and I'm like, oh, I need to decide, is this a good event or a bad event? Instead of just like, you know, blindly open it up to a book of Ephesians and reading something or Re- Revelation, It's like, well, let's go back to the historical teaching of those that are in my line that thought the same way that I'm thinking now. Like, what did they say about events like that and how to interpret and navigate your way through it? And how can I apply that to this current situation? I love that so much. So that that's my denominational story. But I have friends. and again, I've gone to a lot of different denominational churches. Uh, I went to Church of Christ for a long, a very liberal one uh, at <laughs> Marshall. I was part of an um, American Baptist church when I lived in Huntington. Love them to death. Um, I've got a lot of, lot of non-denominational churches and services. So I've been across the board. I'm, I'm well-traveled in denominations, but my, my
1: faith, they just Baptist, simple. Uh, something that might help people is uh, if you've been a part of Grassroots Institute, we do, it's a four-year journey uh, the way we're doing it now, where you have Old Testament one year, New Testament the next year, third year's doctrine where we go through the Apostles' Creed. And I'm working now on putting together one, hopefully for next year, on church history. Uh, which I think would be helpful for, pe- for people. But, but I think, you know, you, you said a lot of names there, and I think that's what people are wondering is, like, what sets us apart? You know, fundamental. You know, uh, you and I grew up independent fundamental church, Baptist. Independent just means it's not connected to a, a
0: greater body of Baptist churches. They're still congregational. So usually the congregation chooses the pastor, the deacons, the leadership. Usually. It starts out that way.
1: Yeah, where you've got democratic, the American Baptist, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, the American Baptist, you know, split from one another years ago, and they, the American Baptists, have more oversight uh, over their churches as a as a denomination. The Southern Baptist Convention is not a denomination; they're called a denomination. It's a collection of churches that cooperate together. Like, there's no oversight. Of theirs, the Presbyterian Church has a few different branches. Uh, they're they're controlled by the the authority of the Presbyterian churches, uh, but they're just looking at the differences. You know, a Presbyterian Church will believe in you know, paedo baptism. You know, the Methodists uh, believe you can earn your salvation, therefore lose it. The Nazarenes believe you can lose your salvation, and well, you can have in. You can lead an entirely righteous life
0: and be completely. You will be completely sinless.
1: Yeah, and and so uh, whereas independent fundamental Baptist churches, the fundamental part is what we would call three and a half point Calvinists. They believe in Christ alone by faith alone. Um, but you cannot lose your salvation. Once you're saved, you're always saved. Well, the Armenian, who the Armenians you find them primarily in Baptist circles, but in some other circles as well, believe you can lose your salvation. So you can be a child of God and then uh, fall from grace, you know, and not be a child of God. And then you have, uh, you know, the the non-denominational church is pretty much going to have the belief of whoever the pastor is instead of holding to a confession like we do with the Baptist Faith, the Message 2000, or, the Apostles' Creed or the Westminster Confession or the 1689. And so seeing how all these denominations came about over the years due to uh, doctrinal differences. Social changes. Yeah, and then then seeing how some of them are just kind of independent churches. Some of them are independent but connected. Some of them are under the authority. Like the church I was at in Martinsburg was originally a part of the – uh, church of the Brethren, which you don't see anymore because they were the United Brethren. Well, back however many hundred years ago or whatever, that denomination actually merged with the Methodist, and that's how you now have the United Methodist. Well, the church I was at, they paid to have their building built. They paid for it, but it was owned by the Brethren. Well, they combined with the United Brethren, or the United Brethren, they combined with the Methodists. They didn't want to be a part of that, so they had to pay the denomination for the building that they paid to have built. So it's like you could see the differences.
0: And I, I talked about it a few weeks ago, but I will bring it back up now because this is the most simple form or definition for what it, what it means to be Baptist from Joe Thorne. Uh, mentioned a few weeks ago, sorry for being repetitive, but maybe you've never heard me mention this before. The four C's. I'd like to know your input, Darren. I don't think you've ever shared an opinion about that. Uh, the first, What it means to be a Baptist. One, congregational, which means each, if you're a Baptist church, you are an independent church. Like, the, you choose your leadership, you choose the mission, you choose the vision.
1: If you're in a Southern Baptist church, the word they use is autonomous.
0: Correct. Like, you make your own decisions. They're not going to come in there and be like, oh, uh, you're... Preaching this way, so you got to go. We're not paying you, or something like that. So congregational, the autonomy of the local church, like even in the Southern Baptist Convention, like no one's telling us what to teach, what series to go through, how to teach, anything like that. They leave leave it to the local congregation to decide. So one, the first C Baptist are congregational. Two, Baptist are credo Baptist. So uh, compared to Methodists, Anglicans. Presbyterians, we do not baptize babies. We only baptize once after conversion. So we're not paedo-baptists, we're credo-baptists. So congregational, credo, you would said it a minute ago, cooperative. So if there is a massive flood in Welch, West Virginia, we can actually get money, resources, men down there to help clean up. We part, And same thing with us here. I mean, we... Pole Creek Baptist. I mean, we they come in and help serve our community during the summer. We cooperate, work together with other Baptist churches. Like there's a partnership there, so we're very cooperative. And the fourth one, and I want to put this in parentheses because I I don't believe all Baptists adhere to this, but I actually think they should because I'm getting deeper and deeper into it. Confessional, like you got to have a guiding confession, something. And I'm not saying you have to like you know memorize it and. You know, plaster on, but you've got to have some connection to the historical church to keep those guidelines up, so you don't
1: get some weird, wonky Jerry Jones. Cool. Which I think you've answered. If somebody's going, hey, why, why are we Southern Baptist? Um, First of all, uh, congregational. You, and I, and Mark as elders, we're we're held accountable by the body. There's no hierarchy here where the congregation is under our foot and they do whatever we say. There's nothing And grassroots will. Like people will be like,
0: yeah, you said this. Actually I was talking to a good friend. They're like, You use this word. Ah, you might not want to use that
1: again. I was like, yeah, I'm will, but thank you. <laughs> well, it was a cuss word while you're preaching. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't cuss. He didn't cuss while we were preaching. But um, but yeah, congregational just means that we are partnered as a ministry. Um Within ourselves, like the uh, the Southern Baptist does not assign pastors to churches, and and any of our elders, any of our deacons, uh, were were ordained by the leadership and the church in those things, uh, those places. We are uh, what was the second one? Credo. We are credo. Yes. Uh, the reason we line up as a church with the Southern Baptist and partnered with them is the credo that we do not believe salvation comes, uh, our baptism comes before salvation. And a good friend of mine, we went through a Presbyterian uh, sacramentology class and we wanted to be convinced. Like we went into it going, convince us of paedo-baptism as a sign of the covenant connected with circumcision. circumcision. I love covenant theology. And I'm like, Please, please convince me. We got all the way to the end of that class, read books, listened to lectures, wrote papers on baptism. And we looked at each other and went, nope, still credo. Like, we just don't see it. We don't see it. Um, and then uh, cooperative, that we are, and that's what makes the Southern Baptist not a um, church. It's not a denomination. It's, it's a collection of churches Cooperating together, local autonomous churches,
0: and we actually do that too. The the money that we give, we direct line it. Yep, because we
1: we love supporting church plants to the cooperative program. Yeah, and and that's that's what that's how we were fueled uh, monetarily by the SBC to plant grassroots church, um, and we've got others partnering with us in other ways. And so it's like, yeah, we are cooperative uh and it's like and church
0: planning is a big part of that too we're also part of the a29 x29 x29 network church plans yeah. plants churches
1: so we like to get in the communities and meet people where they're at absolutely and i get i get to speak at an a29 event tuesday now
0: look at you dude
1: i am celebrity so...
0: darren cherry i'm not nervous but i'm intimidated when is is that in a couple weeks it's tuesday Ooh. I'm, Maybe, i'll be there yeah we're going I'll be cheering you on. Oh man! Like I said, you wait. You give me that pause. <laughs> I got you.
1: I gotta. I'm gonna make a point and look right at you, and you'll I'm gonna, be like,
0: "There it is." I'm gonna get Mark to amen. Like right in the middle of that, you're gonna be like, "And that's why Jesus is the
1: only way." We do have a special friend going. Amen. Amen. We do uh, have a special friend brother. going with us. We got a special friend. going. I'll tell you about it later. Really? Holy Spirit. I mean, always always was. <laughs> but special uh, friend oh yeah we do have a special right. friend going the three of cuz you and Mark and I are going and then we have a special friend I'm excited about it but what does that name start with uh a letter I'll tell you don't worry uh, um I don't want to put any pre- pressure on them but um amen we, we <laughs> <laughs> every time every time there's there, a pause every time now. there's a pause amen. amen let it be uh may it be and then confessional a lot of Southern Baptist churches would not like the idea of being confessional because they feel it goes that, that feels like it's tending towards Catholic. Which I have been told by some in grassroots before
0: that, you yeah, know, we tend to lean very historical Catholic, but which I mean it's I mean, we started Catholic, so
1: you got me. If it just means that we are uh, being very biblical in our litur- liturgy or Trying to hold to some historicity yeah, his of the church.
0: Historical, um, that's okay interpretation, yeah.
1: Yeah, but but any Southern Baptist church, to be a Southern Baptist church, you have to adhere to and agree with the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Like, you literally have to sign a document going, yes, we agree with this, and we will give to the cooperative program. That's what makes you Southern Baptist, is you go, we'll give to the cooperative program, and we agree with the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Guess what the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 is? It's a confession. Bum, bum, bum. It's a list of beliefs. It's how the church should operate, those things. Do we hold more to the 1689 as elders? Yes. But the Baptist faith, the message, is a confession. And so um, all those things, the reason of those things is why we line up and we connect with the Southern Baptist Convention. I will tell you real quick, because you shared yours, mine real quick, um, Independent Fundamental my entire life. My entire life. Never went to another church except for a, a couple of weeks. Our family did attend a Nazarene church, uh, but that was just for a few weeks, and then we're off to Independent Fundamental Baptist. Well, I came to FBC fairly, and here's why. Y'all going to have to just judge me for this, okay? Just judge me. Amen. When I was looking to become a youth pastor at a church, my dad said, look into the SBC. I'm not kidding. He said, they pay better than the fundamental independent fundamental Baptist. He said, they pay better and they have retirement. It <laughs> so I was like, okay. And that's how I landed at FBC is I looked into Southern Baptist Convention churches looking for youth pastors. I found FBC fairly, but I could have cared less about the SBC, absolutely cared less. So much so that the West Virginia Convention Southern Baptist Annual Meeting my first year here was at FBC Fairley and I didn't go to it. I'm like I don't care about that. I'm not going to that. But given a couple years there and then getting into church planning like I've come to love this Southern Baptist convention warts and all. Good, bad, ugly. You can't you can't tell me things about the SBC that I don't know. I know about the history of it. I know why it was founded. I know where we've been. I know what we've been in the middle of, and I know where we're going. You can't tell me. But I still love it because of those four C's that you mentioned earlier and why we're a part of it and will continue to be a part of it as long as we see those four things stay fundamental to what the SBC is. And so people are wondering, why are we SBC? It's it's because of doctrinally we line up, even though there's a lot of SBC churches that are not reformed.
0: Yeah, and, and the SBC is not perfect. I don't no. think either of us, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put Mark in this. Like, we're not gun-ho, like, got to be. Because there are some people at these conventions like, oh, you'll never let the Southern Baptist Convention be. It's like, dude, hush. Sit down. Sit you Yeah, we're not SBC sit or down. Dying. It's like, no. Yeah, it's, we're it's not SBC fine. or die. And even the same thing with Baptists. Like, I would never try to convert anyone to Baptists because, honestly, it's all about loving Jesus, desiring him, worshiping him with your entire being and growing in that and bring, and, and doing that with others. I I mean, that's that's really it. And if anyone listened, has been listening to this uh, episode to this point, I hope you haven't think you don't think we're bashing any denominations because you read a list. We use a lot of preachers, teachers, and theologians from the Anglican tradition. And the tradition. Yeah. A lot of Presbyterians. Those two right there, there's a lot of a, pastors. I, the Anglican one surprised me. Church of England, which, yeah, but it's like you're N.T. Wright. Uh, J. Vernon McGee is Presbyterian. Didn't John Stott is Anglican. J.I. Uh, Packer's Anglican. Baptists have Bunyan and Spurgeon, and I'll, I'll just We'll hang there. with those. Those are two just, good I'll just, ones. I'll hobble in there. Those are two great ones. CS Lewis Anglican. Yep. Uh, so we're like
1: RC Sproul there A Keller lot of good information.
0: But honestly I think too like when it comes to denominations again I don't want to try to sell someone on like you got to be a Baptist. I don't believe that's necessarily true. But with these other denominations and the exercise or practice of their faith, I'm trying to think is like, well what what what's like an acceptable line? I think if you go back to the the solas. As long as the theology for the de- denomination tends to fall in line. Sola Scriptura. So scripture alone has authority. Um, sola Grazio. You know better than I do. Yeah. It's like
1: grace alone, faith alone. Oh, God alone goes the glory. Sola de gloria is to God's glory. Hey. Sola gratia is uh, grace alone. Sola Fide is faith alone. Sola Christus is Christ alone. Right. And Sola Scriptura is is uh through scripture alone. So are there some Anglicans that are here to that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Some presby-
0: a lot of Presbyterians. that's what I'm saying. Like it's it I don't want to sell being I I don't want to sell a denomination. I hope I haven't done that. If I came across the way, I apologize. That's more important to me, honestly, than a denominational title. Again, I just grew up Baptist and it makes sense to me. But I am a Christian first. Yes. I love Jesus more than anything. Uh, I'd rather I'd rather someone say, Hey, your influence. And the authority use at grassroots led us towards that relationship with Jesus more than it did sold us on (laughs) Baptist history, which again, sorry, I'm a history nerd. I'm sorry, you actually cut Uh, me off there. I appreciate that. I was about to go through like the 1700s. Oh yeah, 1800s.
1: (laughs) Well, so it's 19... somebody might want to hear that. Yeah,
0: but... and you're like, no, nah, I think what they want to hear is this. Yeah. Thanks, Darren, for shutting me <laughs> up. Well, and thank it... you for cheating. I know you did that on purpose. Did yeah. you know that? If
1: y'all don't know, I have the soulless tattooed on my forearm. So. so,
0: do you agree? I think that's like the most general. And I'm not saying that is scripture, but I mean, it adheres to the authority of scripture. Catholics, it was no. It was like scripture, ooh, and tradition. It's like, yeah, faith, ooh, and works. It's like, no, 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 no. If And I do, you know, there are some Protestant denominations. We talked about some. That actually go back to that, where it's like, yeah, of course you're saved by your faith, but you will live a holy life. It's like, and that is the mark. It's like, hey, back up here a second.
1: Well, we have to be careful. Not every denomination has a branch that's solid. You know, there are some Episcopal, uh, Methodist, Presbyterian branches. There are some surfacing now in the Baptist denomination, the new evangelical movement that are talking about are super liberal and and you know and and we'll put it into very quick terms are not affirming the inerrancy of Scripture. Uh, They're ordaining um, homosexual pastors and priests and uh, things like that, and so it's like they're doing things that are expressly against Scripture and and so we would say that's not a healthy church to be in and to find your way out of those and
0: which is why we use the word orthodox not because of an adherence per se to the eastern orthodox tradition we're not saying that but orthodox is the better rebuttal in my opinion to liberalism because if you say i'm you know i'm conservative theologically conservative is a social term as well it's a political term as well you can be conservative in your theology But again, it seems to be it it does have social political implications. And if you believe that way, that's fine. I'm not knocking anything any of that. But when you say orthodox, it's like, no, we want to get back to the original context. If you do that sometimes in scripture, it does seem somewhat socially liberal. I mean, whenever the Bible was made, you got Jesus hanging out with like prostitutes and women tax collectors. You know, it's like husbands treat your wives nicely. It's so liberal for its time and its advancements of human rights we know in like retrospect it's like ah oh, thanks jesus
1: yeah if you but, were to say you're so conservative
0: the, the, is it fair to say the rebuttal to liberal theology like scripture is not 100 true it's not inspired by the spirit it is whatever you make it everybody chooses their own way This is just the way we're going the rebuttal to that is not theological conservatism but orthodoxy
1: yeah because because too many people take it to political views Oh, you're a conservative Christian, so you're Republican, and you think, and it's like, hold on. Orthodox is, because let me just read this real quick. The word Orthodox means conforming to what is generally or traditionally accepted as right or true, established and approved. Orthodox takes us back to those confessions Mm. and says, we are what you just, by faith alone, in Christ alone, through grace alone according to scripture alone, for God's glory alone. And taking us back to those, that's what we want to see as the benchmark mm-hmm. um, for, and, and this is what I think when you say orthodox, it also takes, are you ready for this? Hot take.
0: Is he making hot cakes? Nah, bro's making hot takes.
1: Hot takes with Darren and see the wasp even that came did. out. he He's like ready for the hot take. Um, it doesn't matter what you feel. That oven is preheating. Ooh. It doesn't matter how this makes you feel. Orthodox grounds us to God's word, even though our feelings going will go a million different directions. We are tethered to his word. And that's what Orthodox does. You know, it it takes us back to what actually matters. And so the SBC yeah, it takes away the social, political, yeah. cultural stuff, and we're talking about it on Sunday.
0: I think it was Tim Mackey that said this about um, one of Paul's themes in writing the book of Colossians. It was that you're a, Christians are able to overcome cultural and social pressures in their faith by diving deeper into who Jesus is. So orthodoxy, get back to that source. And that's
1: a, the SVC could go absolutely nuts and just go super liberal in their theology and all that. And because we are not tethered to the SBC, but we are tethered to orthodoxy, we are tethered to God's word and those confessions, we'll go, okay, our time with the SBC is done. But it's also what allows us to be a part of the Acts 29 church planting network. There are churches from a lot of different denominations. There are independent churches in that. But what we hold to is that confession and that belief in God's word and the inerrancy of God's word and the salvation in Jesus alone and God's sovereignty and all those things it allows us to be a part of that because we're not Baptist or die we are God's kingdom or die like that's where we're at for our own lives not kill anybody who's not a part of God's kingdom but like we're like Jesus <laughs> first we're not we're not that a, kingdom, Darren, the along, on that earthly kingdom the second holy crusades are coming along you
0: go in that earthly kingdom again. <laughs> The Darren Kingdom dispensation. Darren, if you had a kingdom,
1: oh, uh, imagine
0: that. Imagine if Darren Cherry was given a him. massive plot of land, like the entire North American continent. Centered in Cleveland. Go God ahead. That said, here, you have all authority. Make it the way Ooh. you want it to be. How well
1: do you think you'd do? Oh, yeah. Darren's be, free will. It'd be, I couldn't lead my family if it was that. I'd wreck my own family, so I couldn't yeah. lead a kingdom. So I feel like but if I, I, would, I was to make a kingdom, it would, it would blow. I feel like I need, I need, I don't want to apologize on your behalf. It's on my behalf. I don't want to say speak for others. Oh, go ahead. You can. Apologize. We have covered a lot today. Like, if you think about it, like, we're at, like, early church history to the schism of the Eastern and Western church, Roman Catholicism, denominations, why we're – if you need – I hope – I'm just sorry. <laughs> like, we have been all over the place. I'm not sorry
0: because we are responding to a question – I just hope that people have a little bit of content. Like, I want us to be the church that we know what we believe and we can back it up with substance, scripture, history, logic, experience, instead of just being like, Dad, we're Baptist. Uh, yeah, because, you know, we Apparently do Baptist from New things. No, we're Baptist. You know, uh, for chicken, you know, Baptist. I don't know. Church on Sundays, nice dress. and yeah, i Baptist.
1: I do hope this has been helpful, though, to let people know... Why denominations started? Um, obviously, not like super in depth on that, but also to let them know why we hold to the Baptist faith and why we are connected. To the I hope these answered and,
0: those questions. And before and before we end, something else. It's like we look at the world. It's like what lens should should Christians look at the world through? the The most basic way to do that is kingdom. Like Christians, like those that love Jesus and are disciples of him that make disciples investment like kingdom and then enemy <laughs> like the most black and white i can portray that but in the kingdom it goes across countries it goes across the denominations it goes across time it goes across culture gender everything i mean this is awesome and we can there's so much information out there that binds us to that. And I think that's encouraging too because you know, I go to you know, I go to work, I can go to whatever social event and I've got a lot of really great friends who I love that are a part of these various denominations, but they're still, you know, they're Christians. So let instead of looking at the world through a lens of like liberal, conservative, political this, science and non science, it's like let let's try to have a kingdom perspective of like it's Jesus and his heavenly kingdom and then the enemy the world the flesh the
1: devil which I do think we back that up by Somewhere. even the way we preach the fact that we go straight through books of the Bible uh, we're not trying to like pluck verses out and build a theology to build like the grassroots kingdom um, we are about building God's kingdom and, and just the fact that we're gonna we're gonna take a book and we're gonna go verse by verse. Which, just to encourage everybody listening today, if you are listening before the second Sunday of November, Adam, hey. you're wrapping up our Christus Victor series in Colossians. The Colossians I'm excited to view. hear this. I don't, like, you've told me a little bit, but I kind of, like, I don't want to hear any more because I want to hear it Sunday. Like, I will I gladly
0: to, not send you my outline. You have to
1: send in me my something, though, because so,
0: I have to do the PowerPoint, uh. but...
1: But you're ready – like, are you ready to preach it here and in Monroe? Oh, yeah. Do you know what's so much – you've only got to do it once. This will be the second time. Going from the Sunday morning context here to the Sunday evening context in Monroe, it's two different preaching environments. It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. I hope you enjoy it. Dude, I
0: love studying. And, and I, we were talking about uh, this – a group on Sunday going through our – or the new series for all the grassroots groups, Bible Studies Simplified – and just talking to those in my group is like, what's your process behind the way you study Scripture? I I love being in a position as an elder, small group leader, uh, student ministry leader. Like I have to study, but it's not like it's a chore for me. I'm I'm going to go home and do some study and some sermon prep today. But I love it. It's like I literally sit down. It's like question, you know, question one is like, who, what is Jesus? How does somebody Jesus? Why would I want Jesus? I'm going to look through the entire book of Colossians and try to answer those three questions. I get through the first 20 verses is like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Like, you know what I mean? I, do you have those moments where you're studying? It's like, all right, let me answer this question. Oh, my goodness. The first question we always
1: have to try to answer is who, what is Jesus?
0: <laughs> well, I thought about that. Like you say, you don't want more information, but it's like who, just, what is just going through the gulps, like for grassroots church to find Jesus as the means and end to their salvation. Mm. I think it should be our salvation and righteousness, but instead of there, which is awesome. <gasps> Good call. Blah, blah, blah. But... um. It was Ooh, like, all right, call, so actually. if, if we got to start with Jesus, is like, who, is, what is, who, what, who, what is Jesus? Okay, well, how, how do we Jesus? How does somebody Jesus? And then it's like, well, why? Which I actually preached on uh, last month. It's like why Jesus' offer is so much better. But anyway, reading through the first 20 verses of Colossians, where it's like, I kind of know the answer already, but let's just read through these words. Oh, yeah, If, if you I haven't
1: just... been here, I actually finished the final verses of chapter four this past Sunday. But we gave Adam the the challenge of wrapping up the entire series, and just gave him the whole book of Colossians and said, "Take it. <laughs> How to Jesus by Adam Bailey. <laughs> Who? Yeah. What Jesus?
0: Um, no, really, just looking at like Jesus' righteousness, salvation. Like, what does it mean within the context of Christus Colossians Victor. with our goal? But I, that's why I love Scripture so much. I believe it." And it makes me excited and it brings me so much like joy well, and let me enthusiasm. give you some more
1: excitement to study so that this is give on record. Everybody else that thing. This is on record so that you can't you can't try to like I'll weasel out. You can't we- I was gonna say weasel out, but I didn't want you, but you said weasel, so I'll say you can't weasel out. According to the calendar for twenty twenty three teaching, you get to preach on Easter. C-
0: uh, can I can I uh, do a sunrise service? You are you'll be the only one
1: there, but yes me and the ducks (laughs) (laughs) at island park but you get to preach easter this year which i'm excited about i'll convert a duck i'm excited about that Uh, we'll see what series we still don't know what we're preaching through for 2023 hey
0: friends uh sorry (laughs) i hope i hope you found this beneficial uh i hope it was a blessing to you give us your feedback you know how to find this if you made it this far sorry That was a lot. Darren, you're right. That was beefy. In a couple weeks, we'll come back with an easier episode. We actually do have the topic of gambling. I feel like that'll be less dense, probably. I don't know. We'll see. Hey, we appreciate you. You're awesome. Love you. See you, friends.